Welcome to the GovComs podcast, bringing you the latest insights and innovations from experts and thought leaders around the globe in government communication. Now, here is your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to GovComs, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and thank you for joining me. Today, we go back once again to the thorny issue of measurement, measuring outcomes, measuring benefits, and being able to prove the value of the work we do. And today, we'll do that with Mark Hocknell, who's a performance management specialist at a company known as Customer Centric Business. Mark has over 25 years experience in corporate management, consulting and academia. He completed his MBA at the Queensland University of Technology and has developed two business courses, which he's now been teaching for eight years. Beyond Mark's experience teaching and consulting, he's also a member of the Industry Advisory Board at Griffith University. Mark has established a skill set that relates to the measurement of performances and processes and evidence-based leadership. In 2015, Mark was appointed the Australasian partner for PUMP, a performance measurement process employed globally by over 40 organisations. Mark runs lots of workshops. He talks about this stuff all of the time. And he joins us now on GovComs. Mark, thanks very much for joining us on the program. David, great to be here and thanks for inviting me. Measurement and evaluation. Perhaps if we just take a step back, where, where do you put put it in terms of the importance of the work of, of anyone who might be working in government at the moment, whether it's in government communications or policy or programs, services? How important is it that people evaluate the impact of what they do? Well, David, it's got to be critical, right? Because... Um... <clears throat> Pardon me. Everything we're doing these days, we're trying to achieve more uh, with seemingly less resources. So we have to work out what is going to give us the maximum impact for our investment. And to me, I, I prefer to use the word measurement. So if we can measure what we're doing and measure the impact that comes in from uh, putting our initiatives in place, even changing things within the community, we can then measure the impact of those things. If we can understand the ones that are having the maximum impact and the ones that are taking us closer towards the outcomes we're trying to get to, that's how we have to know it. Now, I know that evaluation can often be seen as a completely different uh, subject and even a whole methodology about how you go and evaluate something, which is often different. So I tend to use the term measurement in terms of we're measuring the impact of the initiatives and the programs that we're putting in place. So what are the necessary steps that have to be in place in order for people to be able to measure effectively? Okay. What a brilliant question. Um, We've only got a few minutes, right? Because like you said, I talk all over the place on this stuff, probably for days. Um, Look, the the key thing around measurement for me is that I I guess it's a really, in terms of a business methodology, I think it's only starting to mature in the last 20 years. If you go back in the history of where it's come from, um, in the last century, we really only measured financial plans and all outcomes were measured against their impact on the financial plan. Uh, We still do some of that today. Then in the late 90s, we started to think about a balanced scorecard where we tried to look at measures 
performance measures for an organisation across four different areas. One of them is still financial. And we're still maturing how we use performance measures and KPIs today. So to me, to make that successful, and I adhere to the pump methodology, I became a licensed pump partner, like you mentioned, which is a methodology that I learned only 12 years ago, and it's been around for 20 years. If we take that perspective, what we really need to be focusing on when we're trying to measure outcomes and get better at it is getting really clear at what it is we're trying to measure. Now, most times when I work with organisations and talk with people about measurement, they'll always say to me, okay, so how do you measure innovation? Or how are you going to measure something to do with some community outcome? And they, they use a term which is often not that measurable. So what we need to do is figure out what it is we're trying to measure first. So if innovation was real in this current context about what we're trying to achieve, what would we be able to observe? And we should be able to figure out clear outcomes or clear results that aren't actions, that aren't projects, that aren't all of the other waffly sort of language that we use, they're not efficient and effective things, that we should be able to describe it as a result or a set of results. And when we've done that, um, we have then a clear framework for what it is we're trying to measure. Okay, so let's take that maybe measuring innovation. What are some of the things that we might necessarily be able to grab onto enable to to measure something like innovation? Well, to me, innovation is far more of a value when an organisation wants to put innovation into place, they'll typically start to train people about how to think innovatively and, and the different tool sets that are available these days in terms of applying those sort of techniques. But what the organisation has to do is to say, okay, when we're innovative, what is the outcome that we actually get? Is it a, a, a workforce that constantly keeps breaking the mould of what we've got? Is it a workforce that can reinvent itself every 12 months? But you have to put it into the context of what it is we're trying to achieve. And innovation is probably one of the most vague terms that's around, but it's pretty popular these days. Yeah. But it, it's a term where you have to figure out what it means in the context of a particular department, government agency or an organisation because innovation will mean something different to every different organisation. When we define what it means for us, then it become, becomes measurable. Right. So focusing on the outcome, and is it the behaviour that you're looking to achieve via the result of your policy, your program, your service or your regulation that is is the outcome, that type of behaviour that you're looking for? It could well be. It could well be. Okay. Because those behaviours then could define the type of organisation. Um, sometimes people talk about innovation. As the description of it is that you're currently operating at a certain level and rather incrementally improving what you're doing is you're taking a, a step change. So maybe one, one, def, one result for that might be we've made a step change or this particular service line that we've done has made a step change. And that step change then would become measurable. And in, what about the role of benchmarks in terms of being able to establish the ability to measure? You, you obviously have to have something in place to start with to then enable you to make some sort of uh, judgment as to whether or not your activity has been effective. Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing we, we just talked about then, David, about what we need to do to have more meaningful measurement, and that was to figure out what the results were and to try and articulate our outcomes in ways that are measurable. 
So not actions, not projects, and not these weasel words. And then the next step we take is we actually, once we know what that result is, it becomes measurable. Then we apply a, a design technique to it to figure out the best measures for it. So Pump has been developed by Stacey Barr. Her background is a, as a research statistician. Um, she worked in government for much of her life and part of it at the ABS. So Stacey's developed the methodology and the measured design technique literally takes a result and we work it through a method that ends up selecting the most uh, measures with the highest level of strength that is going to give us feedback that we're making progress about that result. <clears throat> so then if we're, once we're measuring those things, the best way to benchmark is to understand how you are currently performing. So a lot of times organisations will say, well, we're performing at a certain level. Uh, we've just checked in with the such and such a department in San Diego or this group in Norway, and met, they're at this benchmark. Well, how do we actually know they're measuring at the same thing? How do we know that they've got the same level of culture or the cultural change or the level of capability or in terms of the level of maturity of how they're approaching the problem? So benchmarking with other organisations or even if they seem like, like for like, they often aren't. So I feel that the best way to set a benchmark is to understand exactly how you're performing now with the measures that you've selected for your results and then work out, well, if we're performing this way now, how can we get improvement? Yeah. And how? And that's what it's all about. So it's a benchmarking against yourself. Now, well, Yeah, so that's an interesting point. So how, how, how do you bring that richness, though, of being able to draw – on insights from others where you've just articulated very clearly what some of the problems are? So you can draw on the insights from others in terms of how you implement the change so that you get the improvement that you're looking for. But you don't necessarily have to set the benchmark or the target isn't necessarily the, the thing to achieve. What the thing to achieve is improvement. And one of the things we've done poorly, I think, in the last 20, 30 years is the way that we set targets in organisations or benchmarks. <clears throat> we tend to, whenever we come up with a performance measure, most people will say, and the target should be 80%, or the target should be 95 often with no real understanding about how we're currently performing. So the problems that we create when we set targets in a way that just doesn't really make any sense means that there's going to be a couple of things that happen. One is... Um, when we go to collect the data we need to perform the calculation for the measurement, it will bias us towards achieving the KPI or the target itself. The second thing that could happen is that when we put targets in place and we're not really that clear on how we're currently performing, we can, rather than inspire people to reach this stretch goal, um, we can inspire people to manipulate the measure or the system to try and get the target that's been imposed on them because they get the impression that the target is actually the thing to achieve, not improvement. So I feel that one of the ways we can get around that um, unintended consequence of setting those targets that way is to understand how we're currently performing, know what is driving performance at that level, and then we can set some sensible targets about, well, let's try and get up to this next step. Let's make it, if it's currently at 70%, we want to get to 80% of something, what can we do to get ourselves up there? And we focus people then on improvement rather than trying to get to hitting your target itself. Mm. 
So just going, taking you back to the, to this particular pump methodology that you speak about, you, you you quite clearly spoke about the outcomes and understanding what the outcomes are that you're looking for, and to trying to find the characteristics of that outcome, whether it's a behaviour to be able to measure. So there has to be something there to measure. But you mentioned a, a design technique that then helps you to understand what is the best way to measure. Can you just give me some background as to what is involved in that technique and what are some of the considerations that need to be in place in order to uh, assign the most appropriate measure? Sure. Okay. So just as a quick overview then, uh, PUMP has stands for Performance Measurement Process. So one of Stacey Bauer's early clients nicknamed it PUMP, um, stood for Performance Measurement Process, and she put a U in it uh, because, as she said at the time, it's up to you to implement it yourself. So it's the process you bring to any organisation, and it works particularly well with government because it deals with those complex type challenges we're trying to get to and particularly it aligns with outcomes. So there's eight steps within the PUMP process. first step is about how what you set your purpose for, for measurement. And in this context, using PUMP, it's really about getting that continuous improvement. The second step in PUMP then is about the results, making sure we have results language. So the things we're trying to measure are measurable. And then the third step is this uh, designing measures, which is the technique I just mentioned, which has a five-step process in it for how we design performance measures. Now, the performance measures must give us feedback about those results. So the first step we take in the measure design approach is we have, we should we start with the result. We've articulated in a way that it is a clear outcome of something we want to achieve. The next step we take then is we try and describe that result in sensory language. So we're going to describe when that result is real, what would we be able to see, hear, feel, touch, even taste. So in other words, we want to take the result, we want to bring it into the real world and fully describe it. And we're going to collect all those bullet points and all those ideas in a list, do it on butcher's paper or even on a screen as we work through the process. Then we work into step three. And in step three, this is where we reflect back on the sensory evidence we've just collected. And we draw from that potential quantifiable measures. So based on that sensory evidence, having described that result in the real world when it's already occurred, we could say, well, we could measure the percentage of something. We could measure the number of these things that occur each week. We could measure the average time it takes to do that. We could measure the percentage of the population that does this. So based on all those things we can observe, we have to develop quantifiable measures that come from it. Once we've created a list of those quantifiable measures, we then want to pick out the top four, maybe two, three or four measures that are the highest strength measures for the result that we started out with. And that's how we select and design those measures for the result. Mm. Is there an uh, ideal number of measures? Because that's the thing, isn't it? There's, that you can, there's all sorts of things that you can measure, but is, is four a good number or is two a good number? Or how do you set about understanding what is the, what is the ideal number of measurements for your particular uh, activity? So the thing is that um, we don't want to measure activity. Dave. So one of the things that, that I think has uh, been a real challenge for the government in the last number of years is even when they're moving to program logic and they're going from outputs to outcomes and they really want to try and get to measuring those outcomes, 
they're still locked into measuring a lot of the outputs. Yeah. And the out outputs come from focusing on activity. So in the pump methodology, what we want to do is we want to say, okay, based on that activity, based on those outputs, what is the result that you get from it? What is the outcome that you get? Now, when we get these results, we typically map them across an organisation. So there could be uh, 20, there could be 30 or 40 results that are mapped to try and, in a causal relationship leading towards the centre of the map, where the government is then, or the department, I should say, has articulated its its mission and its purpose in a set of results. So when we focus on results rather than activities, we end up with a smaller number of things to consider. Then what we do is we take, we design performance measures for each one of those results. So then the measures only give us feedback about each result. So independently then each result, I reckon could have two, three or four measures. Collectively across the organization, you still might have a hundred, but they would fall then into a framework where the measures are only giving us feedback about the result itself. So I've worked with some organisations, um, a couple of government agencies up here in Brisbane, where they collect, um, they call them reports and they call them measurement, but they're really collecting data points. They're collecting things that are outputs from the activities that they do. And they end up with lists of numbers of things that occurred over a period of time. Then that's not really measurement. What that is, is that it's data that's being produced out of the, the systems and processes and the activities we do. And they're just producing pieces of data. What we need to do is get to a point where we figured out the result, the outcome we want to get to, design measures for those things. And then those measures are quantifiable evidence of the result, that we're making progress towards it. And then we use those pieces of data to turn them into a performance measure. Okay. I think I got that. But understanding that, that they're, they're, but you, you are saying that there are still there is still value in measuring the outputs of whatever it is that you might be doing. Yeah, you can. It, it doesn't really lead you to the outcome. So, and and one of the things it does is, and you and I have probably seen this a fair bit in all different types of organisations. When we when we focus on measuring the outputs, sometimes when it comes to people negotiating their performance plans or their agreed KPIs, whatever. They're not really sure about the outcome they're trying to get to. So they focus on the output, and that is, David, I'll do 10 of these things for you by next month, and we will have five podcasts by the end of the quarter. And we tend to go on those numbers, but we don't focus on the quality of it. We don't focus on, well, what's the real outcome that we want to get from this? And that's the difference. I think it's much more powerful when we focus the people that work in the, our organisations on the results and the outcomes. We actually get their hearts and minds focused on trying to reach that goal, that future state, rather than focusing on activities and outputs. Because sometimes the activities and the outputs may not be the best ones, but they're the ones we've always done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of just then perhaps going back to that, um, those five steps that you, you spoke about in terms of the designing the measures, I'm, I'm interested just to explore a little bit more where you were talking about that, you know, seeing, feeling, you know, tasting, describing um, take me through that. How, how how does that part of the process work? Yeah, David, about 12 years ago when I first came across the pump approach and I um, was using the method, I, I felt most uncomfortable with that one too. It sort of seems a little bit, um, I don't know, a bit vague or a bit, a bit not real hardcore or something. Or not really scientific. But um, 
you know, for example, uh, we worked with a, a fire service and the fire service had, was focusing on activities. They were focusing on houses having evacuation plans or having smoke alarms. Um, and when we went through and figured out, well, you know, what's the outcome that you really want to get to, they started to describe an outcome for them, which was a result, which was the community is fire smart. And you can see there that, that having an activity that says, okay, all homes have fire alarms or uh, smoke detectors or all homes have evacuation plans is completely different from a particular community being fire smart. They will be doing all sorts of things around their houses that is not just about complying with the activity of evacuation plans and, and smoke alarms, for example. So then when you fully describe what the a community looks like and a community in the in the regional area might be different from a community in the in a densely populated area, might be completely different about what it means to be about being fire smart. So therefore you figure out what fire smart is for each one of those, and then you develop the measures that come from how you fully describe it. Mm. So when when you can take that result and you can describe it when it's real. Because whatever is observable is measurable. So what we do is we make the result and we describe it in that sensory language so it becomes observable, so then it becomes measurable. And it gives us an inspiration then for what we can draw measures from because it's really giving us a data set that we can draw measures from. Whereas if you and I sat here and said, well, how could we measure the community is fire smart, we would just start thinking of measures, uh, quantifiable measures, that might look like that, but we'd be assuming in our mind what our full description of what the community is fire smart would be. Whereas when we describe it in that sensory way, it means we have a full picture of what it means in the context for the community we're talking about. And then from that, we can use as as a, as a list to develop performance measures. Now that's fascinating. That's that, that's very interesting because I suppose ultimately, you know, that's a good example that there are so many things that would go into that um, being fire smart, that yeah, you could actually sit down then through and say, okay, well, you know, we can observe that, but then if we can observe it, then how could we measure that? Right. Yeah, fascinating. So it it, it obviously works very well. This pump methodology. It does. Um, I think it's transformational. I mean, my backstory, David, like you started to read out before. I mean, I spent fourteen years in a corporate. Uh, was it Suncorp? Uh, in like an all financial services group, not just a bank. And um, also after finishing or around then in my time at Suncorp, I did my MBA and I started consulting. I was consulting for two years before I developed the, or I learned the pump methodology from Stacey. Now, when I was at Suncorp, I managed the contact center for three and a half years. So I had data everywhere. <laughs> I, had, I, had, I had reporting teams working for me. Um, I did an MBA, I learned all about stats, all about management theory, but I never learned how to do organisational performance measurement. And it absolutely stunned me. One of the first consulting jobs I got when I started to do consulting out of working at Suncorp uh, was engaged by Rio Tinto to help them develop their KPIs for their global contact centres. And, and I did, and I'm sure I did a good piece of work, but that piece of work was only based on my experience and what I could figure out with them. But having the pump methodology, once I learned it, I could never go back because it is a methodology that helps you work out the best results, the best performance measures, and the best way of developing meaningful measures and targets in an organisation 
regardless of their experience and context. It's, it's applying that method to that organisation and it's the best measures and results for them. Is there, it, could you give us an example, though, around that specific case where you were looking at measurement as you understood it to be at the time around the call centre, that how what you were measuring and, and what you reported on and how it may have been different if you were applying the pump methodology? Sure. So, you know, with all due respect to, to Rio Tinto and how they engaged me back in those days, um, you know, I just really took what I had learned in the contact centre at Suncorp and then applied it to Rio Tinto and their call centres and looked for any anomalies that were different. I didn't take a design approach to it at all. Whereas hypothetically what I should have done if I was doing it now, and if they're listening, contact me, I'll help you out. Uh, <laughs> I would sit down and I'd work out their results. I'd say, okay, for Rio Tinto, in the context of this contact centre, so the contact centre that they were, that was their help desk across their, their whole organisation, the contact centre that um, I was involved with at Suncorp was the, the customer contact centre. So very different contexts for the work being done. But still, I applied the same sort of approaches because that was the experience I had, and that's what had made me successful in the past. Now, taking the pump approach, I would sit down with a leadership team for that group, hypothetically Rio Tinto, work out what their set of results were, what they're trying to achieve, and we'd be describing those in that language, that is, this is the outcome we want. Now, we know we may never reach that, but we're going to progress, measure how close we can get to it. So then we'd figure out our results map and then we would prioritise those results and we would design measures for each one of those results. That results map and those measures would give us a new, a new framework for the measurement structure itself. So no longer do you have a single measure like getting a life of its own, it fits within the framework. And that's how I would approach it now. It would be a completely different outcome for them and using a, a, a proven methodology. Mm. It's sort of it's sort of like David, you know, twenty or so years ago when you did things inside organisations, we tend to get a bunch of people together and figure out what to do something, and we would nut out a plan and we would just do it, uh, and we sort of got things done and it was all okay. Today you wouldn't dream of doing that. You would get a team together, you would call it a project, you would then agree on the method of the project you were going to use, whether it's Prince Two or some sort of other methodology. And you would work through a set of templates and processes to get you to the project outcomes because we now know that running projects with a deliberate approach um, helps us get to a better outcome each time. What we have done with methodology, with PUMP, what Stacey's done with method with PUMP, is that it's done the same thing. It's applied a method, built and applied a methodology precisely to the challenge of measuring organisational performance. So how then, at the, where do you see the biggest barriers to the adoption of this in, in organisations? You know, I'm sure everybody wants to, you know, wants to be better, wants to improve, wants to achieve. Where are, but where are the barriers to people saying, okay, this is something that we should be using? Well, that's a big question. Um, is it time? Is it resources? Is it skill? Is it attitude? Or is it all of those things? It's probably all those, and if I'm going to be cheeky, I'll, I'll just give you a couple that I, I think are top of mind for me. One is, um, it, it's sort of like I alluded to just now with my experience with the Suncorp and Rio Tinto. What had made me successful at that point 
was what I had learned and practiced in the past. When I learned a methodology about how to do organizational performance measurement, I could do it uh, better. I could do it with deliberate outcomes, and I could also do it on purpose and repeatable. Now, that was much more deep understanding of what I'm doing now rather than what I was doing when I was did that first consulting gig. So I think that what happens is as people mature in organizations, the stuff they've learned becomes a habit of how they do things. And therefore, changing those habits or adopting a new practice is a pretty significant thing to do. So that's one, one thing that's a problem, I think, is the challenge is that we've got to make this shift away from how we do things currently, because that's the way we've always done them, and they seem to have worked to where we should be doing. And that involves how we set targets, even from um, even the way our politicians talk about target setting and change, they tend to talk about specific numbers or activities of things, which then flows down into those departments and then becomes, this is why we're doing these things, rather than working at it from a different perspective, working it from the outcome first. I think the other thing too, though, is that um, recently I've worked with some government agencies in Canberra, and one of the challenges that they've talked with me about is the method that we're talking about, David, with using PUMP and applying this disciplined performance measurement methodology and putting a more uh, robust approach across to how we describe the outcome or the intended result that we want and what the measures will be and how we will measure it and all that sort of stuff, how we will set targets is that doesn't really align with how uh, the audit office audits a lot of these plans. Mm. Um, they're using a different um, approach and they're using a different sort of language. There's no lexicon for this stuff. Even in the PGPA Act, there's no um, how to do this stuff. There's a whole stack of principles, but there's no how to. So what often happens is that you get, you think you've made some progress around, yeah, we are describing our performance results and our measures and our targets better now than what we were, but then they might get slammed on it in terms of an audit because it doesn't match uh, some criteria that the ANAO is using. And I'm not criticising them, I'm just saying there's different stages of learning. And this is one of the challenges where there's a methodology that's been around for 20 years, um, it's been proven and it can be used in government contexts. We've got to try and align it more with how people are being assessed, uh, particularly the, when they're producing their reports, um, those things get assessed and a lot of the work and time goes into it. And it's more about how we align it then with the outcomes we're trying to achieve. Mm. Now, listen, I believe you are heading out onto the ro- on, on the road to uh, give people the opportunity to learn more about PUMP. How could people perhaps get involved uh, with your workshops? Okay. So there's a, a bunch of workshops happening around the country. Um, the first place to go to would be going to Stacey Barr. That's Stacey with me and two R's. So stacybar.com. Stacey is the founder and creator of Pump. Uh, there's lots of free resources on Stacey's website. So even if someone couldn't get to the workshop, there's plenty of resources to get on Stacey's website. And on Stacey's website too, there is the public workshops that we hold around the country. So anyone sort of coming up, uh, we've got Melbourne in May, for example, and we've got one coming up in Sydney in August. And also I'm collaborating with Criterion Conferences and Criterion are running a set of masterclasses through the end of May and early, end of April, I should say, and early May. We're starting in Canberra on the 29th of April and I'm doing four two-day masterclasses uh, across those next two weeks. 
Very good. Well, listen, I'm sure people will take the opportunity to go and have a look. And I am actually going to go and have a look myself just to go and understand a little bit more. And I think practice, really, it, it seems to me quite a simple um, idea, um, but practice makes perfect. You'd really have to do it a few times to really get yourself comfortable with, with trying to understand, particularly in that part where you're trying to describe uh, you know, the, the see, the feel, the taste, that sensory element of it. I, I think that's going to be a really interesting way to think about it. And you're absolutely right, David. It takes practice because we've got these old habits that sort of say to us, this doesn't work. We've done it like this before. Why should we do it some way different? But the more you practice it, the easier it gets. Okay. All right, Mark, thank you so much for giving up some of your time to speak to our audience today. I know they would have appreciated it. So thank you to you and thank you to the audience. There you go, guys. Let's do it. Let's keep going. Let's keep improving our measurement. Let's go and understand stacybar.com, S-T-A-C-E-Y-B-A-R-R.com and go and find and have a look at the pump methodology. It's another methodology that's out there. So let's go and have a look and see if we can apply it into our everyday work so we can become more effective in the outcomes that we are seeking to achieve on behalf of the citizens of whichever country that you're working for. Anyway, thanks to you and thanks very much to Mark. And I will be back at the same time in two weeks. But for the moment, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the GovComs podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes.